Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. From the Gert Boyle Studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. Caregivers in Oregon group homes are asking Governor Tina Kotek to fire their boss, the Oregon Department of Human Services manager who oversees direct support crisis specialists. They say they continue to face understaffing, long hours, unsafe working conditions, and low pay. Christina Seidenstricker-Brown is a direct support crisis specialist and the president of the union representing these workers. We first talked back in March. That was before her union's call to fire Sierra Rawson, the director of the Stabilization and Crisis Unit. I should note that we did request conversations with Rawson or other DHS officials. They declined, but gave us a statement. I'll read some of that as we go. Christina Seidenstricker-Brown, welcome back to Think Out Loud. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you on. Can you just first remind us what the Stabilization and Crisis Unit is? Yeah, Stabilization and Crisis Unit um, is um, group home style uh, work. Um, They're individuals with IDD. Um, A lot of them are double, triple, quadruple diagnosed. Um, They have mental illness as well. Um, and very high-functioning behavioral individuals that require um, a one-on-one staffing, um, a lot of two-on-one staffing, sometimes three-on-one staffing in the community. Um, We are up I-5, so all the way up to Gresham, all the way down to Eugene. um, We have 19 homes. Um, We support two medical fragile homes up in the Portland area as well. and that support's a little different. Uh, those individuals um, are very fragile. A lot of uh, G-tube um, trachs, uh, they have to be um, moved um, to side layers, to prone position, to other side layers, so they don't break down and get bed sores. Um, so that style of work is a little different. Um, very much so appreciated, though, and needed um, within our agency. Um, so on a day-to-day basis, um, we take care of the individuals um, getting their needs met. Uh, what that requires, it's each individual is different. Um, they all have their own um, positive behavior support plan that we follow, um, as well as activities that they do out in the community. They go to school. Some of them um, go to the movies. They go to the beach. They go to the zoo. They have fun trips. Um, They have appointments that we um, provide them with. Um, We take them to uh, DBT. We take them to psych appointments. We take them to their PCP, um, get all the medications that they need. Uh, And so, you know, the day starts out where you you pass pills to your individuals to get them going for the day. You feed them the meals that they require for the day. um, And then you transport them to where they need to be for the day. Um, You help them through their daily... um, what we call baseline um, is is would be a great day. Um, we try to keep them at baseline so we don't have crisis. Um, and so that's what we're there to do is to support our individuals, um, to give them the best life possible that um, that they can have. One of the big issues that we talked about back in March is worker safety. Can you remind us what caregivers have been dealing with? Um, so we're in a staffing crisis, and we have been for some time now. Um, it's the worst I've ever seen in my 25 years of working um, for SACU. Um, 
we are coming to work and our graveyarders are working day shift with our day shift people that are showing up and then the they go home after working doubles and then the day shift people are staying and working swing shift and then the swing shift people are staying and working graveyard to meet the numbers that we need in order to run it successfully and for our individuals to be as safe as possible and for the staff to go home safely. Um, so we're, we've been in the staffing crisis for some time. We've asked for some help with the staffing crisis. Um, we really haven't seen any change since I talked to you in March. Um, and so it's just disheartening. DHS did send us um, this in response to the, this particular question of staffing. They wrote this. Both private and government agencies are currently struggling to recruit and hire direct care workers. Despite these challenges, thanks to deliberate and focused recruitment and hiring efforts, the current vacancy rates for direct care positions in SACU homes is 8.58%. This is down from 14.7% earlier this year, and we remain committed to continuing these efforts to bolster the SACU workforce. I'm hoping you can help me understand the discrepancy here because so they point to an 8.6% vacancy rate as opposed to 14.7, that, that the number that you mentioned in an email to the governor less than a month ago. Are, has it gone down that much in a month or are you talking about different ways to calculate vacancy rates? So there's different ways to calculate vacancy rates. That is very true. Um, but they did do a hiring. Um, they had a big hiring event that happened in May. Um, and um, they, you know, out of 40 people, they were able to hire 15 or so, made it through. Um, that requires the training that they do for three weeks. It requires the numbers that they can only have in the training room um, at the same time with new employees on top of staff every two years have to get recertified and so they're going through training as well um so in in reality um those numbers seem good but they're not because we um, fail to respect the fact that uh, people are on admin leave people are on safe people are modified working and people have protective leave fml and so with with that, it's, an, it's at least an extra 4%. This should be added on to that vacancy rate. And um, that is constant throughout the day-to-day um, -day work. Um, we have at least 1,800 hours just at my home alone of scheduled overtime this month. So is the number this, is, this is an issue that we talked about um, the last time we were on. D does scheduled mean, in a sense, mandatory? Yes, because they schedule it so that you have opportunity to sign up for it so you know prior to the overtime. But if nobody fills those holes, it becomes a mandatory, yes. 1,800 hours. What, what does that mean for you for the next month? What, kind, what are you going to be doing in terms of shifts? So I, I typically work every day I come to work, I stay. I don't go home. I work, um, I work 80 hours a week. I come in on my days off on occasion to make sure the individuals get their needs met so that certain appointments, uh, meeting with parents, and you have to take them up to Portland area um, just to meet their goals. Um, it requires the staff. Most all of our individuals are two on one to be supported in the community. So to be able to do these outings um, and make appointments that they have scheduled that need to be done, you need the staff. 
Um, otherwise we're sitting in the house and we're short staffed and nobody's doing anything, you know, except for what we are capable of to entertain in the, within the home, which is arts and crafts, playing basketball outside, gardening a little bit, taking care of some chickens, you know, but that gets old every day. Um, and they, they have these needs that need to be met. These goals have to be met. And so it's a lot of, um, balancing, uh, whose priority which one is more priority than the other? Um, it's communication with our managers. Okay, what are we going to cancel? What are we going to do? How are we going to make this work? Um, and I mean, so as, been- as you noted, um, there has been some hiring recently. Um, and DHS in their statement, I mean, they noted something that we've talked about in this show a lot, which is that um, in the public and private sectors, staffing and hiring have been really serious challenges. What more do you want the state to do? What do you want them to do that they have not already done? I would I would appreciate it if they would recognize the true vacancy rate number, um, not just the vacancy of the of the number of that position being open. In other um, words, you're saying that they're not being clear enough about the number of people who are actually um, showing up for work on any given week. Yes. But what about hiring itself? What do you think it would take to hire more people? I mean, enough more people that you wouldn't be in this cycle of overtime. Um, I would say at least anywhere from 60 to 45 bodies the agency needs uh, more of um, in order to be fully staffed. Um, Another issue is like we we follow their – positive behavior support plan. And um, in order to follow that, it requires more staff than what we, that we have at the home. And that alone too, doesn't help with us. You know, we struggle um, trying to get those things met when you don't have the staff or the bodies to do the work. I really wish that the recruitment would be more honest and upfront about the job that is at hand and the reality of the real work that we do. Um, I feel like there's a mishap of the way they advertise um, for our work. Um, like my home is, um, if you Google it, it's a nursing home. This is not a nursing home. This is a crisis group home. This is a stabilization and crisis unit for individuals with, with challenging behaviors and um, that deserve the best quality of life. And we're failing that piece because they're not advertising correctly. And I feel if they would to advertise the job as what it really is, um, you wouldn't have people hired and then they turn around, and they leave because they're like, oh, I didn't sign up for this. And so that's what's frustrating. Um, I feel like they um, kind of get not told the exact truth of what they're getting themselves into. Do you think as many people would apply if they knew the truth about what the job actually entailed? I'm not sure about that, but I think that you would maybe see more people might apply that are more into that behavioral um, functioning of a day, uh, you know, that have maybe went to school for that type of work. As opposed Um, to hiring people who then realized that the job is not at all what they wanted. Yeah, some people think it's like a CNA job, more um, of a nursing home style type of job, more IDD individuals. And our, our individuals are diagnosed IDD, but they also have these mental um, illnesses along with Intellectual and developmental disabilities. 
Yes. Okay. I want to. I, I want to go back to this the safety question because that, that's something that that you talked about back in March. And I know that that's a piece of it, and and it's related to staffing, which we sort of which we ended up um, talking about a fair amount just now. Um, but we did ask DHS specifically about your safety concerns as well, and this was their response. We are committed to supporting the health, safety, and well-being of our workforce and the individuals we serve. We take the safety concerns of the union seriously. There is much being done to support and improve safety in SACU homes. Some of these efforts include the SACU safety manager touring homes across the state to address concerns, rapidly addressing any environment modifications needed to provide individual care and safely support resident needs when they enter a home, and expanding training both for staff and for supervisors. What do you think of these efforts? Um, I don't know anything about um, the training, um, training staff in more of that area. I'm not certain about. Um, the problem is, is that we don't have enough staff to even do the, the um, fix-ups that need to happen. Um, or like we have a broken shower that's been broken for almost a year um, that needs to be fixed. Um, it's all cracked and that's dangerous and that could be used as a weapon or they could save it to use for themselves as a self-harm um, object. Uh, so there's a lot of things that um, need to be fixed in a timely manner and it's not happening um, in a timely manner. They've known about our shower for some time now and um, it's still broken and and this august was a year so it's to me um i i don't believe that all that they had said is truthful i haven't seen it myself we did reach out to the governor's office about this uh, since a little under a month ago you your union wrote a letter to her saying we don't have confidence in the director of our unit we think she should be replaced we got a two-sentence response. They wrote this, the governor takes the concerns outlined in the letter very seriously and values the hardworking staff at the Stabilization and Crisis Unit. Her office has been following up with AFSME, your union, and Oregon Department of Human Services. How much of this, in your mind, is about one leader as opposed to larger policies? Um, I feel that Sierra Rollins, as a leader, that she should have a direction and she should be focused on making the employees feel safe and making sure that the individuals that we support, which is our job, that we're able to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, I feel like the lack of support and the unwillingness to try um, and communicate with us um, when we asked her deliberately about funding and going to legislator and working together, it was silent. And we still haven't had a response about that. And so I have done this in the past. I mean, our agency, we built it and we got more um, funding. Um, I want to say 2016, 17-ish. And we did that together. And we went together to legislator and we fought for more funding for more staff and more positions. And so I, I feel that um, there's a lack of responsibility that she hasn't taken on, that she needs to. And as a director of SACU, it's really important for us to be able to do our job and support our individuals. These are vulnerable individuals that um, have a lack of skill that really need the training. Um, so that requires staff and it requires a safe environment to do this in. And um, that lack has been gone for some time. 
Christina, thanks very much. Mm-hmm, you're welcome. Christina Seidenstricker-Brown is the president of the Union of Caregivers who provide residential treatment for Oregonians with intellectual and developmental disabilities, along with mental health diagnoses. The union announced a vote of no confidence against the leader of the state agency that oversees their work. So much of what we talk about on this show has to do with what's happening right now. But there's a lot of history behind these conversations. OPB's Salmon Wars podcast will give you insights into some of that history. It tells the story of one Yakima Nation family that's been fighting for salmon in the Columbia River across generations. Find Salmon Wars wherever you listen to podcasts.